0: often when we're worshiping like that and singing, I uh, I just I get a different idea, a different thought in terms of where to go, uh, in terms of the introduction. So let me just say this. Uh, we, several weeks ago, started talking about whether or not God is still working today. The God that we love is He a miracle-working God today. A lot of folks believe that uh, miracles stopped at a certain time in history and the gifts of the spirit uh, ended at a certain time in history and we've dealt with all of that we've talked about all of that uh, and it occurred to me in those sermons that one of the reasons that we don't really uh, experience the power of god in our lives is that for some of us for most of us perhaps we we just don't trust God. We we really want to be in control of what's going on in our lives. And I had the idea that, well, maybe if we were reminded um, who we are in Jesus, that maybe if we are reminded of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us, then maybe we could trust him with the really big things in our lives, the important things, or at least the things that we see as being big and important. And so last week, and, I'm, and Lorenzo, uh, I, I didn't tell Lorenzo what to read, I just said do this, but, um, <laughs> and I appreciate Lorenzo because he reads me well, but he He read the passage. And and just remember, last week, we talked that as children of the living God, as we have relationship with God through Jesus, that we are blessed, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, and included with God in Christ. And on top of that, we're sealed by the Spirit of God, and all of that is guaranteed by God's Spirit, and we've gone from being objects of God's wrath to objects of His grace. And all of that's a mystery. I'm at a loss of words to explain it. I'm just telling you what it is. So this week, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. And I'm, and I'm staying with this theme of learning and remembering who we are in Christ and and it, it's opening a door to a conversation about intimacy. And so this is where I want to change my introduction. And uh, I, have to, I have to say that um, the songs that we sang just took me... Uh, down memory lane. um, The closest element of intimacy has to do with what we experience when we're close to each other. So we have... Two little dudes with us this morning. You saw the little guys. They're awesome. Um, Smart, pretty much obedient. The little one's a little out there, but, you know. Um, And our, our daughter and her husband, and they live in Mandarin, are going, traveling this week, and so we get to watch the two little guys. It's awesome. Although we're watching my son's dog at the same time big dog, grandsons, it's, I need a nap, and we haven't been able to take a nap, all right, a little stressful, but anyway, it's fun, I just constantly take the dog for a walk, that solves a lot of my problems, now, when they were saying goodbye to their mom and dad, and I think it was Ethan that said this, before we got in the car and were going, he said, I I can't go yet? I want to smell my dad's breath, right? What it, I, have you ever heard anybody say that in your whole life? I want to smell my dad's breath. So I think Vicky said, what's your dad's breath smell like? <laughs> you know, as opposed to armpits or whatever, right? And he said, hot water. I think what he meant was what? Coffee. Because his dad has coffee every morning. And, and then I got thinking, wow, what, what powerful memories we have with those that we're close to where we really get to smell them. Now, let's just stick with breath. <laughs> Uh, because families, we have other experiences. Uh, okay, I'm not going to go down that road. Back, focus. All right, so I started thinking, what do I remember my grandfather? How do I remember him? And I'll tell you, it's flat out. My grandpa smoked a pipe, smoked the pipe all the time, and he smoked sale tobacco. And I... Can remember him by smelling sale tobacco he used to now this this time's my age he used to send me down to the pipe store to buy sale tobacco for him could you send a seven-year-old to the pipe store to buy sale tobacco today he used to send me to buy beer for him too would you send a 10-year-old to the corn store to buy could you do that today no no okay and then i got thinking how do how did my dad smell and then i realized that he wore this cologne bay rum cologne and i wear the same cologne it's a cologne that i don't know it's made in where is it made bermuda or something and it's been around for a million years and 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 it's like we are we are so focused in this way so the reason i'm sharing that with you is The passage that we're looking at has to do with being divided in fragmentation, being broken. But I want you to think as we look at this passage, not focusing on the brokenness, because I had all kinds of illustrations about brokenness. I don't want to go down that road. I want you to think this morning in terms of the intimacy that you have with the Father, And what that smells like, is it a close thing for you? Are you nurturing that closeness so that when it comes time for a big thing to happen, then you're ready to call on the Father for that big thing? So, let's look at the passage. And let's have a conversation about some of the biggest things that there are for us. Verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2. The Word of God says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that statement. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought where, near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create... Excuse me, my technology just went crazy. Okay. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Pray with me. <laughs> Love you, Father, um, we all come into this environment with all kinds of stuff going on in our heads family scenarios, work scenarios, neighbor scenarios, kid scenarios, food scenarios, health scenarios, diet scenarios, government, politics scenarios, all that kind of stuff. And so, we need you to speak to us individually, whether we're in the building or watching online, as only your spirit can, and we submit. We We realize, Father, that because we're gathered in the name of Jesus, that you're in the midst of us. And we pray that as we understand the radical things that you have done in this world, that we might learn to trust you in all the things of our life. And we praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So. When Paul uses the phrase, the dividing wall, the thing that divides us, we read that and think, well, this is about the Jews and the Gentiles and how being Jews and Gentiles divided them. And it is about that to a degree But I want you to notice that Paul is also using words like those who are near and far away. Both being brought together. Now, who are the the folks that are near? Well, in their own minds, the Jews are the ones who saw themselves as being near to God. And why did they see themselves as being near to God? Well, certain promises were made about them. That God would bless the world through them. And really that was a reference to the coming Messiah who was expressed in Jesus. But they also knew that they were God's chosen people. But by this time in history, their belief system was that they were nearer to God than anybody else because they kept the rules. And the illustration of them keeping the rules was that their men were circumcised. And Paul here says, oh, by the way, that's something that's done by men in the hands of men. And Paul is saying, as the word of God says, that there's a deeper circumcision that must happen, and that is in the hearts of men. And when men and women and boys and girls, their hearts are transformed by the presence of Jesus, there's a circumcision of the heart that matters, and it's not the outward expressions of religion that get us closer to God. In our minds, that does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. How on earth could Ted Bundy, who murdered 24 women before he was executed in Florida State Prison... Confess Jesus as his Lord, receive Christ as his Savior, and receive the gift of eternal life. That just doesn't make sense. How can he go to heaven and you go to heaven? Did you murder anybody lately? I'm looking at this crowd over here. I don't know. I don't think so. You see, the gospel doesn't make sense. That's why it's good news. Because it's not rooted in what we do with our hands or we do with our behavior. It's an expression of the grace of God. So you know what the dividing wall is? It's not that they're Jews and Gentiles. The dividing wall is the law. Because some of them believed that by keeping the law, they gained a closer relationship with God. Now, don't shake your finger at the Jews right now. Because some of you seated right here or listening out there in TV land, you guys think that if you follow all the rules just right, God is going to up and bless you in some powerful way. And if there's been a message that I've given to you in 10, 11 years, however long it's been, it's that all of that stuff, the word says to bay is better than sacrifice. God wants you walking with Him and talking with Him and building an intimate relationship with Him. That's way more important than you following a bunch of rules. The rules don't get you in, and they never have gotten you in. And see, all of that stuff divides us. And so we will argue over theological issues sometime. I'm not saying theology is not important, but we lose our focus. What has given us the opportunity to gather together here? I mean, there are so many things that could divide us this morning. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I think this and you think that. Y'all just, do you guys read Facebook? It's so entertaining. About the things that divide us as individuals. Look at verse 15. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. Jesus died for you he laid his body aside and died on the cross and shed his blood for you to set you free from the bondage requirements of the law because he fully met them in his death a clean pure and holy sacrifice and so since he fully met them you and I can receive the gift of eternal life. No matter who you are, no matter how much you went to Sunday school, no matter how many bars you have on your medals and stuff from church attending and all that good stuff. Now, did Jesus agree? I mean, did Jesus make any statements in regard to this? Because some of us say, yeah, but what did Jesus say? Okay, so let's go there. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Somebody's going, oh, yeah, I know where he's going. Verse 18. Luke 18, verse 18. Word of God. And you know what? The Word of God gives life. So here's some life. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. Y'all get that? No one's good except God alone. So Jesus saying like, Don't y'all go point at each other. Because no one's good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Hmm. Well, all these I've kept since I was a boy, he lied. Oh, excuse me, he said. <laughs> Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, notice Jesus did not get into an argument or debate with him. He didn't pick apart his statement bit by bit. This is what we do with each other as humans. When we're, when we're having problems with each other, somebody says something and we don't listen to them. We just, in our heads, we think about what we're going to say to argue with them before they say it, right? And, and, and then we break apart every jot and tittle in the person's sentence to argue with them to make ourselves feel better that we're right. And so uh, Jesus doesn't do any of that. He just goes right to his heart. And it says this in verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus told a joke right there. Those who heard this asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is what? Possible with God. Peter said to him, we've left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. You see, Jesus here is saying whatever... It is with you is the dividing wall. Whatever it is that keeps you from trusting him fully is the dividing wall. And he wants us to come together. Not in the midst of conflict that says in that human way, I am better than you. I am nearer than you, I am closer than you, and if we don't redo it in a religious sense, we do it in an economic sense, or we do it in a house sense, or we do it in a car sense, and some of us are so sucked into this system, even church folks, that we, you know, um, I, I, can, I can remember talking with, with friends about this this issue of, of God's blessing and, and the name it, claim it theology, you know, and and I had, I had a friend early in ministry that was always, I used to pray with him all the time. I'd go to his church and I'd pray with him. And we'd spend time together in prayer. It was rich. It was wonderful. And then he would say, well, you know, you know why you're driving that Geo Metro? And if you guys remember, the Geo car line, the Geo Metro was really, you just wound up the rubber band, right? And, and maybe went down the road. And he says, you know why you're, you're driving that Geo Metro? I said, why? And he said, because you don't have faith. You don't have enough faith. I said, no, dude, I'm driving the Geo Metro because this is I get paid. And I don't have enough to buy the Peugeot that you're driving. And he would let me know he was driving a Peugeot. I think it was a, no, it was a Saab. It was a Saab 9S, really nice, sweet vehicle. So after weeks and weeks and weeks of doing this, I finally said, I think it was God. I'm praying, I get, ooh, next time he says that. So, next time he said, Preacher, you know why you're driving that Geo Metro? I said, Well, why? He says, Because you don't have enough faith. I said, Well, in the name of Jesus, I claim that Saab 9S right now. Give me the keys. (laughs) Now, did he give me the keys? No. And see, some of us are so bought into this mentality that we will drive cars that we cannot afford. Now, there's nothing wrong with driving nice cars. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Jesus doesn't condemn this guy for having money, right? Jesus is saying to him, your money is controlling you. There's always something that's controlling us. And, and we so want to be like others. It'd be this competitive constant thing that's going on with us as humans and god says no 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 don't divide yourselves with all of these frivolities these things that don't matter come together in other words building on what he said in ephesians 1 and now in ephesians 2 to summarize all this God is saying to us this morning, if you are alive, if you are alive in Christ Jesus, then live. So break down the walls and barriers. Jesus breaks down the walls and the barriers. So those of us that have a lot and those of us have nothing can have fellowship. Those of us who divide on the basis of the color of our skin, Jesus would say the same thing. Don't divide based on the color of skin come together in Christ Jesus who makes us all one. And so we stop looking at each other in terms of what we have and don't have or what we have and they don't have based upon our ethnicity or whatever. We look at each other and in this passage it tells us the resolution to all the conflicts is that first of all, we have peace with who first? We have peace with God through Christ. And secondly, we have peace with who? Each other. We are citizens of God's kingdom. But for those of us who would argue, because just think about all the people around us who are citizens of the United States, right? But even in the fact that we're all citizens of most of us here today, citizens of the United States, we still think in terms of, well, some of us citizens are better than you citizens, right? We do. You just I guess pain to just watch the news these days, so it's ridiculous. I'm a better citizen than you are. No, the fact that you're a citizen has really nothing to do with you. I'm a citizen because somebody died that I might be a citizen of this nation or whatever nation you're a citizen of. Jesus died that you might be a citizen of the kingdom of God. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from. Well, I have more education than you. Okay. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? You, you know, it, it, what brings us together is that you and I are citizens, but he takes it a step further. He said, you're not just citizens, but you're also members of the family, those who are near and far. And this is a, a specific statement to the Jews who are listening, to the Jews who are reading, to the Jews that are receiving this message. You guys think you're, so, you're closer than anybody else, but I want you to know that these Gentiles are part of the family of two. And they are welcome to the family. They might be adopted in the family, but they get everything. They get all the blessing. They get all the inheritance. They get all the riches. And by the way, we don't have to play by that. Oldest son gets everything Rules because Jesus was the oldest son. Jesus is the only son. And the inheritance is given to him. Everything in glory in heaven. and, And all the majesty is given unto Jesus. And Jesus doesn't hold on to it. Jesus became a man like us. He became a servant. He suffered and he died on the cross. And he poured out his blessings to you. Every one of us. And so you and I can cling to him and say, I can trust God with the big things. Because Jesus, when he had it within his own power to hold on to it all for himself, said, no, I'm letting it go. You're citizens of the kingdom and you're members of the family. You're just as close as those who were near. You who were far away are in there now too. My riches and glory are for you. Now, if you're not buying into it yet, I'm really frustrated, but let's go a little step further. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because Paul's really consistent in his theology. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it looks like we're starting at verse 11 on everything I read today. So, verse 11 says this. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope that it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Paul is doing that age-old argument of his. It's not the circumcision done by the hands of men, but it's something that God does in the heart, okay? It's not always what you can see that is reality. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for, what's that word? All, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Okay, see, this is where it gets personal. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In other words, if you are alive in Christ, then live in Christ. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. A worldly point of view is a religious point of view. The world that we live in creates religion so that it feels like it's closer to God. A worldly point of view builds in worldly principles of competition and contention between other humans and ourselves. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We used to view Christ as a religious heretic, but we don't anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The old, religion, gone. The new is here, Christ. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, if you're reconciled, what has God called you to do? If you're reconciled, to reconcile others. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What a powerful message for us. And again, as usually is the case, you know, I, some, some of you are probably going, you know, sure. Every time you preach, it's all about us having to do something. It's all about us doing something. You say, sure, says, if you're forgiven, you're supposed to what? Forgive. If you're loved, you're supposed to? Love. If you're reconciled, you're supposed to reconcile. If you're redeemed, you're to redeem. My preacher. What about the blessing? I mean, I want the blessing. I heard that guy talk about something God did for him. You know, let, let me just say, I'll give you an example. Y'all, I had a kidney stone that big in my body. Okay, my wife's going, here he goes. All right, let me tell you something. Such a wine, I know. I am telling you, did I have a bunch of pain from that kidney stone? This is the awesome thing. No, I didn't even know it was there. How do you have a kidney stone as big as a baby in your body and not have pain? How can you go through that surgery and that process and have stents put in and stents removed from your body and not have pain? God is good. Amen? Not as, now, now let me tell you something. I, I'm telling you that because I want you to know that you can trust God with big old humping kidney stones. You can trust God with all that stuff in your life. And, and it's not that there's anything special about me. You know, it's, it's that God just... I, I've had big old kidney stones before and they were, they were painful. But God is awesome. God is good. And so he's called us to reconciliation. Seek the reconciler. Seek the healer. Seek The blesser. Seek the giver. Seek the creator. Seek he who is a good, good father in all his ways. Seek him first. What does the word say? Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and all these things will be given unto you. Don't seek the things. Seek the giver of the things. Now. Now. Let me just conclude with this idea right on time. And that is this. When they asked Jesus about what the law was, Jesus said, Love the Lord, what? Your God with all heart, your mind, your soul, body, with everything that you are. That's, That's the law. But there's a second principle. Second principle is. Yes, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? So, again, we're being loved. We're to love God and love our neighbors. It's that old triangle I like to share. God, us, others. God pours it out on us. We're to pour it out on others. And then they learn to praise God. And it's just this continuous thing. You know why a lot of us don't love our neighbors as ourselves? Because we don't love ourselves. Some of us sitting here today actually have said in our minds, yeah, but those people are redeemed. Those people are chosen. Those people are forgiven. Those people are adopted. Those people are reconciled. But I, no, no, no. I've done some really nasty bad things and there ain't no way that God is going to reconcile me. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus died for everybody, not just a select few. Amen? And we can praise Him. Let's pray together.